Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome to the Military Wife Life podcast, Emma. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So if we can get started by you telling us how long you've been with your partner and I guess how you guys met. Yeah, we've been together for almost eight years now and we met actually through work. So when I met him, we were both civilian life, had nothing to do with the army and I worked in a company. I was relatively new and I was like, I I love this job. I want to be a part of the team. And so they had a function. One of the girls was leaving. So they had a dinner and I was like, I'll go to the function, got dressed up, wanted to present it really well. We're sitting down at dinner and then this guy walks in looking sharp in a collared shirt. And I just go, who is that? Because he was coming over and talking to the team, but he doesn't work in our office. And they were like, oh, he's, he works at this business and they work with us for the event, et cetera. And I was like, okay, got to talking, had a few jokes. And then after dinner, we all went out for drinks. Well, that was the intention that we all go out for drinks. It just ended up being me, him and one other lady. And looking back, I now know that she came out so that we could spend more time together because she came out, we had one more drink and then she left and it was just the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) It was a stitch up. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And yeah, but we just talked all night until pretty much all the bars shut and then walked back to my transport and exchanged numbers and the rest is kind of history. So how long were you guys together before defence was discussed or your partner was looking at going into the army. How did that come about? Well, it's interesting, actually. So um, we were together, I want to say about four and a half, almost five years, but he wasn't actually looking into it. I did. So his civilian job, he was really great at it and he enjoyed it to a certain extent, but it got to a point where he didn't have any growth left in that company. He was second in charge and the boss wasn't going to step down anytime soon. So there was nowhere to go. And of course it wasn't perfect. He was coming home unhappy, unfulfilled. And I was like, hey, here's job advertisement. You're interested in this stuff. Why don't you join the army? And he's like, what? That's come out of left field. And, you know, he actually has a history in pyrotechnics. He used to do fireworks. And so that works with explosives and some explosives license and the job that was advertised through Seek, because I was just going, you're unhappy. Let me see if I can find you something where you'll be happier, was to do with, I think it was ammo. It was to do with ammunition. And so I was like, look at this. Why don't you look into this? And he was like, are you sure? I said, yes. And we had the discussion. And I said, but if you're going to do this, because he's a bit older, a lot of people join quite young. I said, but if you're going to join and if you're going to do this, this is the career. You're not joining and then going, oh, this is not for me and coming out again. And as much as I said that, he's that way anyway. And he knew and he said it to himself, I believe, probably before I even said it to him, if he's going to do this, this is my life now. What exactly did that entail? Did he just have to reply to the job advert or, and, you know, did he have to go away and do training? And at what stage were you sort of like, wow, what have we, what have I got ourselves into? Yeah. So he didn't go straight to that job advert knowing, you know, there's a process. It's not as like 
any other civilian job where you submit your resume, cover letter, you go for an interview. It doesn't work like that. And he knew that. So he did his research like um, anyone should and was like, okay, go through DFR. It's not an open day. It's called a something day. I forget the wording. And then you have an interview and go through all those steps through Defence Force Recruiting. And so he did all of that. And in that process, he had discussions about, you know, what job does he want to do? Which force did he want to be in? Army, Air Force, Navy. And throughout those discussions through recruitment, they um, encouraged him, both due to his age and the fact that he already had a university degree, to go through RMC and do officer and said that would be really beneficial for you. And from everything they were telling him, he's like, yeah, that sounds great. So we went to RMC. Obviously, you know, it sounds pretty simple, but going from full-time work and being together all the time to him then going to RMC what did that mean did you stay behind did he move what was happening with all of that yeah you're 100 it sounds simple but no I was um studying a bachelor at the time and so I was like well I need to finish my degree I can't go anywhere I've invested time money and energy and I want to have my career so I stayed behind he went to RMC, but we were living together at the time. So, and I couldn't afford to keep our apartment. So thankfully I went to live with family um, who were an hour or so north of where we were living. But it actually meant, because I was working and studying, it actually meant that I ended up having to commute four hours a day while he was at RMC until I'd finished my degree at least. So it takes commitment on everyone's part because just because you're a little bit older, going into defence doesn't mean that you're on a higher pay packet when you're a recruit or you're, you're just like anyone else you have to kind of make it work for everyone oh god 100 percent. and and I don't know if this is my perception or something but I kind of almost felt and thought that there was less support available because we were a little bit older um we weren't you know teenagers or in our early 20s both of us were I was late 20s and he was mid early 30s so I think they kind of I felt that there was less support because they're like, oh, you're adults, you know what you're doing, you don't need us to hold your hand. And it wasn't about that. It was about this is a brand new lifestyle. We don't know what's coming. How can I plan for things that we don't know are going to happen? And I think that's what a lot of the support opportunities don't get, that you can't prepare for something you don't know because they know. And they're like, well, we know what it's going to be, so just plan for that. And I was like, well, I don't know what it's going to be, so how can I plan for that? Yeah, and all the while, obviously, you're back living, you know, out of, you're not living together anymore. You're having to do all that extra travel, juggle, study and work, and you're separated as well. Your partner's going through training and, and all that that involves, and that's pretty stressful trying to get through all of those different milestones to actually get to the job that he's trying to to get to. At any point, did either of you think, oh, is this going to be worth it? What are we doing here? Definitely. So as much as I was with family doing all that commuting, I'd finished my degree and I went, right, now employment-wise, it's not worth for my career. I'd finished my degree. My employment wasn't a career job. So I was like, right, now I want to join you. So I did end up joining him at RMC, but it was midterm. So that has challenges in itself of relocation, getting um, a house and things like that, because they're so used to everyone just, you know, the man goes, the woman follows at the same time. And I think when it's not that way, it's not set up as efficiently to support you and in that moving process. And of course, with being in training, he's so busy, so tired, like I'm sure as you know, and a lot of other spouses have told you, 
they get up, they're working until they almost pass out from exhaustion and then they do it all again the next day. So expecting the member to help just isn't realistic sometimes. But they're the gatekeeper. Yeah, they are. Everything has to go through them. Like even like getting passes, they need to fill in the form, getting information, they need to request the information. I can't do it for them, which is really frustrating because you want to help and you want to make this easy for everyone. But there's just so many barriers, understandably, some for security reasons. So totally get that. But others that I'm like, this could be so much more efficient if you just tweaked the system a little bit to allow us as partners to find out information for ourselves, get it for ourselves or get it to us without having to go through the member. And so how did that impact you going forward into, I guess, defence life, thinking, okay, this is what's ahead of me, if this is how sort of, I guess, complicated it is to, you know, before he's even got his first posting, what were your expectations going into defence life? I tried not to set any expectations. And this is that's just a general life lesson I learnt um, by myself because I found if I have expectations, they're never going to be right. They can be better, they can be worse, but they're never going to be exactly what you hope or want. So I tried not to set any expectations and kind of roll with the punches as best I could, which worked in my favour. And, you know, as long as I, I was in the mindset of this is for life, so figure it out. This is the choice that we made. And it wasn't a choice that we made together, which I think is different to maybe some other couples where, you know, they made the life and then the partner joined, we actually made the decision together. So I think having that mindset makes a huge difference and it allowed me to get into the problem-solving mindset rather than shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be that way. I was like, this is how it is. Let me find a way to work around it, work within it, and then maybe one day fix it. Yeah. So what was your actual, what was the reality of defence life? You know, you moved down to be with him once you could how much longer did he have with training and then when were you off on the first posting like how did it all work with actually going forward into defense life when i got there he'd still have a year and three months to go but it turned out that we didn't end up staying for the whole thing because unfortunately he had some medical issues come up and it meant that he could not um, finish his training at RMC and instead transferred to ORs. So that means going the non-commissioned stream. And that had its challenges in itself. It wasn't easy both for him and for me because the medical complications took a while to investigate and he was working really hard and still having to participate and do all of the training as best he could, not knowing the answer or the resolution to his medical condition, which we ended up finding out after all this investigation was non-curable genetic, but at the same time, not something that will affect his ability to do any job. So he could still do the jobs but it was something that, you know, this is permanent and it came on due to the stresses of training. And if he was to continue that training, that medical complication could have led to even more medical complications. So for his health and us knowing we wanted to be in defence life for life, he felt it was better for his career and our happiness and health to go the non-commissioned stream. Did you have to go to another location or... What happened? What happened was that he's like, okay, you want to transfer out? That's fine. These are your options. Pick one. What job do you want to do? This is what's available. Wasn't unlike when you go to DFR, you can say, you know, this is what I'm after. This is the job I want to do. This is what I'm applying for because he was already in the system and that's what he had to do. And he picked Ordnance Corps, which was what he wanted to do 
as an officer anyway, but the job was not the specific one he wanted and thought, well, maybe I can transfer to the specific job role I want later. Whether that's going to be the case or not, we still don't know. But it did mean that he had to go off for training. And then after training, he'd go to his first posting. Now, training wasn't long enough for me to join him, which meant stay where I am. But it also meant I couldn't stay where I am because of not being at RMC. We were living on the base there. If you're not a student or someone training there, you're not really allowed to live in those houses. It's for students and it's for teaching members. So I'm like, well, where am I going to go? Where am I going to live? What's going to happen? All the while, what was happening with your career? And it's nice to say that obviously you were there supporting him through all of that, but what was going on for you and, and I guess looking out for all that was happening in your life? Yeah, so it took me a while when I got there to find a job. I ended up getting a job as a health clerk in the health centre on base because I figured when I was looking for employment, I want something that I can take with me through each posting and have something I can fall back on. Because as much as I'd finished my degree and I'd started my business, it wasn't at the level where I could take it on full time. It wasn't reliable income. It's a bit up and down, especially when you first start off in business. So it was employment and a side hustle. And on top of that, I decided to up-level my qualifications and start a master's degree. So I was working, studying, and trying to run a business all at the same time as supporting him through training and medical issues. And so where did you move in order to be able to obviously continue all that you were doing but because you had to move off from RMC what sort of happened and how far away were you from your partner then? I know COVID has been a challenge for everyone but it actually came at a perfect time for us which sounds horrible and terrible but due to COVID and all those situations I ended up being allowed to stay on base and in the house because of the border restrictions and everything closing I was like well we can't move you anywhere we can't send you anywhere and they actually sped up his training to be a little bit shorter because at the time they were they were stopping all the training and it was when the army kind of came to a halt is how I kind of felt it was still obviously reacting to the environment but I got to stay in the Canberra house until his first posting. So that was really thankful. <laughs> Terrible that it took a pandemic for everything to work out for you, but it was. Yeah, precisely. And as well as on top of that, because I'm one of those people who likes to do too many things at once, we decided to start trying for our first baby. <laughs> Originally we, um, said, okay, let's finish RMC and do that at our first posting or something like that. And then when we obviously transferred and was going on ours, I said, right, I'm not getting any younger. You're not getting any younger. You're not finishing RMC now. You're doing this. Let's start trying because posting's not far off. So run out of excuses as I like to joke. Um, and so we did. So I fell pregnant just before he went to his non-commissioned role of training. So while he was away and then during COVID and then the first posting relocation, I was in my first trimester of pregnancy as well. So you thought, oh, let's not take a breath. Let's just go on to the next big milestone in life and have a baby. So how did your partner feel about being away from you, you know, in those initial stages of pregnancy? Concerned and wanting to be there for me but at the same time I made some really amazing connections within the spousal community. I had three gorgeous women that I met and had the fortune of them saying if you need anything we're here for you and both of two of them being mothers understanding what it's like one of them literally being pregnant and giving birth during her partner's RMC stint so there was definitely a support system so I think he felt a bit more comfortable knowing that 
I had people to turn to, even though, because we didn't have family down there, but there was still someone, people that I could turn to. So that really helped. Was there any spouse community when you're in Canberra during his training? You know, obviously you hear about people accessing spouse networks and the community houses and all of that sort of thing when they move from post to post, but how does it sort of work with accessing support or a spouse network when your partner's training? Do you feel like there's any difference or were you able to access anything? I think there is a difference for sure. The only thing I was able to access was the fact that I did live on base. So you met people and made friends from literally walking my dog because every single person in the neighbourhood was defence. And so I made friends, yeah, from walking my dog. And then the other thing was his particular unit in training did have some social functions where you were allowed to bring a family member every now and again. So I attended those, obviously, because I was like, I need people. This is an opportunity. I'm going to take it, jump on that. And that's when I met two of the amazing women that really made a huge difference to my experience in Canberra. And the third one I met actually through physical exercise. I was like, I need to do exercise. I joined a boot camp, made friends through that way. And she just happened to also be a spouse on base. And I will now consider her a lifelong friend that I even work a lot with now. But in regards to anything else, nothing. I tried. I went to the community centre. It was all geared towards people with kids, which I didn't have at the time. DCO, I didn't know existed. I didn't know they did anything. I never heard anything from them. DFA, I didn't know existed then or what they did. So it was really, it felt 100% on me to make the effort and that otherwise I would have been on my own. Did you feel like because you had that initial great experience with forming those bonds with those spouses, you know, while he was in his initial training, that that gave you, I guess, a good base for when you went on the first posting to know that you needed to straight away connect with other spouses in your location because you know how much of a benefit and a big difference it made in Canberra while he was training? 100%, definitely. I've never thought of it that way, but... You are so right, because as soon as we got to our first posting, so which I'm still at now, we're in Townsville, but that's the first thing I did. Well, how do I meet people? How do I get a community? I know it's something that I benefit from, I really enjoy, and I need for my mental health. And isolation at the time was a big issue because, as I said, COVID was a thing. So the big thing that really helped me at that time was you, the Wife Life podcast and the community, because you do those online catch-ups, um, even during COVID, when everything was closed, people weren't allowed to be around each other. That was one of my lifelines, especially going between posts. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. But as well, like just going back to the fact that you were living on base, you had easy access to other spouses and other people that had partners that were going through similar. And so you're all sort of in the same boat. So you you had the obviously location easy to to connect, but then also you were all sort of going through similar experiences. So that's another level to connect with. But you know, most, the majority of new spouses who have a member who's off a training or initial training don't have that opportunity. So that's not their initial experience of defense life. And then they're going to the first posting location, not even knowing that they, you know, the importance of connecting with other spouses, let alone connecting in with DCO and all that the community houses and all of those types of things are offering. So, you know, it's a totally different experience to what you could have had. 100%. And I've heard the stories, especially on the podcast, of all of the different experiences. And I think that's why I constantly say to people and every new spouse that I meet, 
I say I was really lucky. As much as we had challenges compared to some of the other people, what they've gone through, ours wasn't so bad. And in my mind, I'm, I'm secretly worried going, okay, we've got off really easy. When's it coming? Like when's the, when's the other shoe going to drop? Because everyone always has a time that's pretty challenging. And we've had small ones manageable and I'm like so when's the big one coming but like, not as much as I guess others that haven't built built those foundations or knowing the importance of those foundations because it just seems like when you do have that support network in location or even online you know that you've got that fallback or you know you've got that backup even even though you might not call on it or even though they might not be around the corner, you know that they're there as opposed to not having that for, you know, some spouses don't even find that for five years because it takes them five years to find their feet and even find out about DCO and even, you know, get the courage to connect with other spouses because they have kind of hit the ground running with having to find a job and all that has to happen when you go to a new posting location and finding your feet as a defence couple and a, a defence spouse, I guess. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about Defence Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. Yeah, and as much as I talk about how lucky and stuff I was, there was a time period for about four or five months when I first got to Canberra where I didn't have a job and, you know, his unit hadn't had those events and I didn't know anyone. So I did have that time frame of being in the house not having anywhere to go, not having anyone to do anything to do, not having anyone to talk with. The amount of Netflix that I went through, I was like, you've watched it all. We've run out of things on Netflix. Like um, as much as I was, there was a portion where I hadn't started my master's yet and I'd finished my other degree and I was like, okay, let's work on the business. But I'm like, I know nothing about business. There's no community to ask about business. I don't know where to start and everything was just online so it was just me my house my computer that's actually the time when I convinced my partner to get a dog <laughs> <laughs> I think that works out uh, that way for a lot of um, defense couples once you I guess got got to Townsville obviously you were pregnant and you knew that connecting in with the community was going to be beneficial and you wanted to do that quite quickly so you could get those support networks built up and you know who knows what was going to be happening with your partner being away or home and whatever was happening what was happening for you career-wise because obviously posting from one location to another while you're pregnant isn't easy to get a job like what happened yeah so two things I between Canberra and Townsville I did end up getting a business networking community that I had the support of and I built business I had clients and then obviously I had to go okay well this has been great I've got to go now. And I'm like, how do I have to go through that all over again? Reestablish myself, my business in a new location, a new market. How much money is that going to cost me to market myself and my business to get new clients in a new area? And it, it was quite stressful because as much as we do get some benefits as a spouse, like with you know, a service residence in DHA, I still need money to buy food. I still need money to pay the electricity. I still need money to put 
clothes on my back and I'm not the type of person that relies on my partner and I didn't like to, but I had to. There are points in time where this defense life forces you to rely on your spouse for everything. And I really didn't like that. I really, I like standing on my own two feet and I, I knew how important it was to maintain my own identity and career, especially from listening to other spouses on your podcast. I learned a lot from that. And so I said, I need to do something. I yeah. need to yeah. ensure that this doesn't happen every time. Yeah. And let alone, you know, long-term things like super and if you're not in employment, you're not building up long service leave and all those benefits that a spouse who doesn't move around would be getting or, you know, and the fact that you know what it takes with, or you would have just been sort of gauging what it takes to build up that clientele in location with your business. And it's not just as easy as picking it up and moving it to the next location. So you were going into that location knowing that it's not going to be forever in this location. So I need to kind of hit the ground running to get my business happening while also about to have a baby and, and all of that because business, it does take a while to, to start earning that consistent money. Definitely. And it's funny that you mentioned the whole, you know, superannuation and long service leave and all those types of things, because in Canberra, my business was a side hustle in, in conjunction with my employee, which was permanent part-time. And because it was a health centre, I was like, can I just transfer to the location that we're being posted to in the same job? And that way I thought I would maintain my maternity leave. Nope, never that simple. Um, I lost my maternity leave despite almost reaching a year. I would have got it because there were no permanent positions in the new location. They said, we can transfer you, but only as a casual. So there was no guarantee of shifts so I could maintain my business as a side hustle. It forced me into going, okay, my business is my main gig and 100% what you said, hit the ground running. Did that mean that you just had to rely on the, the paid government maternity leave? How did you yes. work that out? Because that's a big hit financially. It is. And being my first child, I had no idea how any of it worked. And it took so many phone calls to figure out, okay, what is this Centrelink payments? How does it work? Is it one payment? Is it two payments? What information do they need? Um, with the information I'm providing, um, what about my business? And then they had all those COVID incentives as well going, oh, you know, because of COVID and if, if it's financially affected you, we can support you. But because it was COVID and relocation, I wasn't entitled to any kind of COVID-related support because the change in my business was due to the fact of relocation, not due to COVID. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so complicated for defence spouses sometimes. It is. And it's like, well, I would have been entitled to that if we'd stayed in location. And then figuring out, okay, well, how much is that? And you don't find out how much pay parental leave or how much family tax benefit, which I figured out what they were called, you don't know how much you get until about until after the baby's born. And I was like, how can I plan to pay for things? I don't know how much money I'm getting. So how did it work once you had the baby and with your business? Like at what point was your business by the time you had your little one? And were you just kind of going to figure out how it was going to go, how long you were going to have off? How did you think you were going to juggle, you know, building your business up in a new location with a newborn and, and how has it worked out? I went into it with the mentality of there are working mothers everywhere and they are superstars. If they can do it, I can do it. I'm just, he's just going to have to come with me to everything for everything. There's just no second question about it. And if, whether it be my clients or businesses that I work with, if they don't understand or accept the fact that I'm a working mother, well, then they're not for me. Because 
I've got to do what I've got to do. So it has been that. I, I did give myself a little time off to get into motherhood. So I took about, I want to say three months off working on my business. And just was like, okay, clients love you, but I just need to take a break. And they're all very understanding. And then I just said, oh, I'm not taking on anyone new. And I'm not reaching out and I'm not trying to expand in the time leading up to my pregnancy. It is really hard though, like, you know, going into it, knowing how productive you were beforehand. Not that being a mother is not productive, but things just take so much time that you don't realize. And you think, wow, I would have been able to get that email written in 10 minutes before and now it's just taking me half a day to like gather myself write it send it off so it it does make everything slower but obviously worthwhile because if you're a business like if you are into having your own business like it's just something you can't sort of get rid of it's just like a passion that you have that you you know want to work for yourself or you want to serve people in a certain way but like you mentioned as well thinking to yourself oh if that person can do it or all mothers have done this before it's at that moment that you realize oh wow (laughs) every month before me has taken on so much and wow how did they do it because you're like oh you might be able to think oh every other month mother's done this before or i've seen this person do it before but then you 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 suddenly realize like oh wow that's what that actually means yeah and i still have those moments today like little things like i take him to networking functions and events and i'm now known in some networking groups as the lady with the baby and there are times like if he's crying or needs a nappy change or needs to be fed and you know yeah someone else has done it doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean you know just because you can you know and I think that's a lot of a scapegoat that a lot of people especially in the defense community can use to negate your effort so we've all heard the whole you know you know what you're in for no you don't you you think you do and then you do it And you're like, this is hard. This is not what I thought it was. Whether it comes to juggling, just being a spouse, running your own business, finding employment as a spouse, being a mother, not being a mother has its own challenges too. So as much as I say, oh, other people have done it before, it gave me the initial motivation, but it doesn't carry me every day. Yeah, for sure. Because you're still the one behind the scenes that may have been up six times and has committed to, like you mentioned, a networking event. And, you know, for your own personal growth and for yourself you want to go to that networking event but despite the fact that you know you've had to prepare two hours earlier just to get out out the door and you haven't had any sleep but you're doing it for you because you know you're still a person despite the fact that you're juggling all the defense life brings with it and then also motherhood and all of that combined and speaking of networking like i'm really fortunate again one of the amazing friends that i made in canberra ended up getting posted up here about seven months after we did and i was like oh my gosh yes you're coming that's amazing i'm so excited and then straight off the bat um we actually became really close because she's also a business owner as a spouse and we did some business networking in canberra she came up here and she's like, oh, what are the business networks here? And I said, I haven't been able to find anything that's not ridiculously expensive because a lot of business networking communities are for profit. So they make money off you attending. And I'm like, I just can't afford that. 
and me and her, we went, you know what, let's do it together. So we've created what we call Townsville Defence Biz Network for spouses as well as veterans, because I think they need a space for this as well, who want to start or have a business and need that support that regular civilian organisations just don't understand the defence lifestyle and what it means for running a business. And, and the fact, like you mentioned, yes, you want to establish networks in your location, but you know that you're always going to be moving on. So paying those extreme amounts to make those connections time and time again just doesn't sit and it's not a, it's not affordable. Yeah, and I didn't think of it that way. I just knew that I didn't want to spend the money. But now that you yeah. say of course, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, eventually you might end up getting posted back to the same location, but that doesn't mean anything when there's been an eight-year gap. So paying all that money back, you know, eight years ago isn't going to mean anything. Like, it's great to get those initial contacts, but if it means that you're going to get crash posted out in nine months' time and you haven't been able to have those long-term benefits of, of those networks it's kind of pointless, oh, not pointless, but it's kind of like, yeah, it becomes an expensive exercise to join all of those groups. And there's no guarantee in return in those as well. So as much as you, there are things that you can invest in for your business in one area and it will be worth it, there are ones that are a gamble. And unfortunately, I don't think we in our lifestyles can afford more gambles. Like there's enough gamble in life being a partner as it is. So how did you go about setting up the business network? Was it just a case of, oh, let's just try it and we'll adjust it as it goes? Did you have a plan going into it, what it needed to be to suit veterans and spouses and, and all that comes with owning a business for those people? A bit of both. We did, we did have a plan. Um, we were fortunate enough where the community in Canberra is very supportive of us and what we do. And they pretty much said, do you want our framework? take it with you and roll with it and adapt it as you need. And we're so fortunate and grateful and we still support that community, even from afar. And I think that's a lot of the difference between some communities and others is that as much as in location, the support can continue even when you move on. It's a big thing in supporting each other nationwide. And the framework we wanted with is the most important thing is getting to know who you are, what you do, what you're known for, so we can tell others. So networking isn't about like spreading the word about your business to your immediate people. It's about who they know. So as much as I'm, I go to a networking event and I tell the 10 people in the room about my business, what I do, the point is that those 10 people are going to go outside and maybe tell another 10 people who are not in their immediate circle about who you are and what you do. And they're more likely to refer you to someone if they know you, they've met you, and there's some a minimum level of trust built rather than an empty face on a screen. And so is there any plans to, when you move to different locations, to set up the same thing or any plans to do that or to get others to set up the same sort of thing in the different locations? We're actually really excited. We've actually had a spouse reach out to us and wanting to start it in her area. So we've actually set up a, a meeting to go, okay, let's make this happen. Because we initially thought, okay, well, when we go to the next location, we'll just start it at the next one. But we've actually had a, had a spouse reach out to us and go, what you guys are doing is amazing. I love it. I want to do it where I am. How can I make it happen? You know, this is not something that we're trying to have complete ownership over and be like, no, this is ours. You can't have it. We want it to be everywhere. We want it to be something that can support no matter where you get posted. Because I find one of the most annoying things is that depending what location you're in, you get a different level of service, which is so unfair. And it'd be great to know that you have at least one network that is going to be every location, no matter where you go. 
that can help you be financially stable as a spouse. But yeah, like if you know anyone or Mm -hmm. if anyone else knows anyone in a particular area that wants to start a business or runs a business and wants to make this happen or be involved, yeah, reach out. We'd love to help this make this happen in all locations because we are aware that other networking groups are supports and they're very necessary like for that. But we found that when it comes to business, you need more than that. It's okay, what is the market like here? Who are my competitors in the area? How do I need to upskill myself to compete in this market, whether it be you know, help with marketing, advertising, or my my finances. Is this is there a finance person in this area that can help me? So in our meetings and the networking, we like to have practical advice that relates specifically to business because we want it to be beneficial. We want all the members to walk away with something going, this has benefited me in my business, whether it's saving time, making money, or growth and expansion. We want it for them to take it away having benefited them both practically and mentally even working from home you just need to be able to just get out and bounce ideas off people just you know fill that cup of knowing that there's others out there in business going through the same things or having the same problems or you know bouncing ideas off how can i make this better or how can i do this or just hearing about their business and connecting and knowing that there's someone else that you can contact or have a coffee with um, is awesome because it can get really lonely because when you're in business, especially if you don't have any employees, like it is just you yourself all the time. Exactly. And we've even had some great moments where we've had members team up and go, well, let's do a service offering together. Our, our businesses complement each other really well. Maybe we can offer something that in, has both of us benefit and provide a service. How long will you be posted to the location you're at at the moment and sort of what's the kind of long-term plans with postings? Have you got a posting plan or are you just happy to go with the flow or are there certain locations you guys are hoping to go to? Sort of got a plan in that we're here for another two years, we believe. Whether we get posted here again to extend, we don't know. Apparently that happens quite a lot up here. But we've had the discussion and we went, well, We know there will be a time where we probably have more preference power, as it were. I kind of get the sense of the longer you've been in, the more leeway you have in where you choose you end up. Maybe it's the opposite for other strands. I don't know. But we kind of said, okay, I've got some advice of other spouses, actually, which I found really beneficial, Um, especially having a new child. I thought, wouldn't it be better to just make choices or preferences for postings based on his career for now while my child is young enough it won't really affect them and then later when my child is in like primary school and high school it probably makes much more of an impact and that's when we'll aim for postings to stay in the same location. So I guess how do you look after your mental health while you're juggling all that you juggle with your partner being in defense and obviously everything being a little unpredictable moving and and now having a little one and juggling business and your business networking that you've set up how do you look after yourself with all of that going on i think knowing myself has made a huge difference so as part of what i do in my business is assess individuals and who they are and what they need biologically to be their healthiest self I do personalized health and in doing that I've done it for myself of course so I know who I am what I am biologically and what I need to do to keep my mental health and physical health in check at all times there's 
certain set of priorities. And my biggest priority is social and having, whether it be those coffees or the network meetup or going to a mums and bubs group, getting out of the house is a huge factor on mental health. And I know, and I've met with other spouses that have said they get to a new location and they just feel that they're stuck in their house because they don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to. They don't, they're just like, I'm just going to stay home. And that I think is one of the leading causes of mental health issues of spouses is because they don't have that lifeline. I don't know where to find that lifeline. I would have the confidence to look for one because unfortunately the lifelines that exist rarely find you, you know, they don't turn up in your mailbox. They don't um, ring you or message you because they don't know who you are until you make yourself known. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's not even the confidence, it's the energy because you've just been through, through this huge thing of, packing up in one location, moving to another location, unpacking in another location. And if you've got, you know, kids settling them into schools or finding daycare and all of that sort of stuff, then looking for a job and or setting up your business and getting situated and then whatever's going on with the defence member, they might be away already or whatever's happening with them or working long hours, like some of them do when they first post into a location, you just sometimes don't have the energy left to do anything else, but you know that you need to get out there, but it's just like last on the list sometimes. And and that's one of the reasons we created the network because I thought, well, if it has a dual purpose of increasing business and finance, it might be more motivating to those people who running, as you said, running a business is isolating, who may isolate themselves in a new location you know, that double benefit may get them out, get them to meet people. And then they have at least one point of contact for the social stuff. And how awesome that they can connect in online as soon as they know which location they're going to. So they can sort of feel that little bit more comfortable in going to a face-to-face when they've kind of interacted for a little bit online. And I found that with everyone doing everything online so much more nowadays, like even one of your catch-ups I went to and I was new to location and I didn't know anyone. And then on the catch-up, I met a few people, which is great. And the next thing I know, I go to a DCO coffee catch-up and I meet someone and I was like, I know you. And then they were like, yeah, you were at the military wife life coffee catch-up. I was like, oh, that's right. And so I was able to meet someone online before getting in location. And then when I got in location, met them again. And it was like an old friend because I already, and it felt like, right, I've got a safety net. I've got that person. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Emma, and telling us all about your spouse experience and juggling defence life, parent life, and obviously the business network that you've set up for those people in Townsville, spouses and veterans wanting to connect in. How can people get involved with the business network or come along to one of the events? Uh, Yeah, definitely. So we've got a Facebook page and on that we post the event um, times, meetings. Sometimes we even have presenters come along to provide value business content. We run our meetings at the moment out of the DC office. They're thankfully supporting us in that. So all you have to do is turn up. It's $2 per meeting. So you can turn up, pay the $2 and that goes towards an event at the end of the year for all of the members. So it's not for profit at all. Turn up, bring some business cards is a big one. And we'd love to see you there and find out how the network can help you and your business. I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. 
Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 